In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. This is D. Orlando Ledbetter of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution here with the 199th episode of the Bowtie Chronicles podcast. Everything you need to know about the Atlanta Falcons. You can find me on Twitter at D. Orlando AJC, email at dledbetter at ajc.com, and on Facebook, Atlanta Falcons News Now. That's our Falcons page on Facebook. So we're going to get started here today with Coach Dan Quinn wrapping up the offseason program. Uh, We're going to talk about that, Uh, some of the concerns, the where are they now updates on a couple former coaches. Uh, Ryan continues his social action uh, projects. Matt Ryan, the Falcons quarterback. Then we got one of these – uh, mock drafts, a uh, year ahead of time deals. We're just going to look at that real quick. Uh, Joe L. Ryan from 247 Sports got a lot of time on his hands. So we'll um, figure that out. Well, we all kind of do nowadays. And then we're going to preview our five players. The Falcons need to make a leap forward next season and, and talk a little bit about that. Uh, Then wrap up and get on out of here. But let's get started here with Coach Quinn from the uh, press conference. Say in a bigger sense, the amount of learning and growth that's taken place 
uh, during this offseason um, has been pretty remarkable. Way different than the on-field training, but uh, having customized programs and player, you know, for the players, um, that's been pretty unique. And there's some things we'll use moving forward. All right, Dylan, open up to you. Uh, yeah, Coach, um, how do you feel hey, the... Can I ask a question first? Certainly, certainly. All right, I think it's a question a lot of us want to know is, you know, how do we get a copy of the, you know, the portrait behind you? Is this a, you know, one, is some one of one masterpiece, or is there uh, a larger way for us to, you know, all of us on this call to want access? No, it's a, uh, it's a one of one. It's a unique... Uh, Penny, my friend just brought it over here for me one day. He pays retired uh, law enforcement and uh, paints now. And uh, uh, just uh, nobody was in the print, okay? Yeah, he gifted it to the family, so um, right. I'll share that with him. All right, let us know when he puts it in print. I'm sure there'll be uh, you know quite a few. Oh uh, yeah, that probably can draw a bullseye and throw stuff at it too. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> but uh, yeah, coach, just uh, the the, the some, some uh, thoughts on the end of the offseason program for the vets. Um, did you achieve what you thought you'd be able to achieve? What were some of the highs, some of the lows, some of the adjustments that you had to make, you know, during this offseason, during the pandemic? We started um, going into the offseason from the development side for the players. What is the one thing uh, that they'd like to work on, you know, to get this part of their game better? And so, for the you know 60 or so of them, we tried to make something that was really specific. How could you measure that you could get better at it? Um, how could you make it relatable to what they're going to do and give it a timeline to get done? And so each player had something specific, one part of their game they wanted to work on. You know, a deep cross, you know, a certain footwork on a route, um, a specific uh, technique for offensive linemen. Uh, to use those as examples. Now. Some led we're gonna have to carry into training camp. Some were on field things that you know the, the hand use of an offensive lineman on the backside of a cutoff block, you know, that's not something they could work on now. But the amount of customized learning that took place due to the online classes, that was a big piece of it. We had lots of one-on-one meetings, some one-on-some, two or three players, and then obviously unit meetings, you know, or your position where you had more. So I would say the, the things that I felt good about um, our learning went bigger and stronger than we've ever done. Uh, the difficult part would be not getting that cohesiveness out on the field and knowing that it's more than just chemistry, it's timing and over and over again. And so we have told many of the players they were going to have to be player coaches for a while. And they really took that to heart. And so their workouts together during the week on weekends, scripts, plays, calls that they went through together. Um, I know that will pay dividends, um, but having the ability to be here local, that helped a lot for a lot of guys. And Coach, we saw where uh, today where four Cowboys, four Texans have uh, contracted the COVID-19. Where are you at medically with the uh, the protocols that are in place? And uh, any thoughts for, you know, starting on time in the uh, end of July? Right. Those are the guidelines that we know today. Uh, fortunately, Rich McKay and the league, you know, they give us the information that, you know, the rest of the league gets. And I just try to keep, you know, going with that back to the players and back to the team. This is what we know today. And I know that could change in a day or in two in some cases. And I have a sense that um, in a month's time, 
you know, it'll be hard to predict where we're at today. I think if we look back at the last three months, there's been a hell of a lot of change. Mm-hmm. And so I anticipate more. Um, good news, in my opinion, uh, we're going to get, you know, see some other sports and some way they're going through things as well. And hopefully um, learn and keep an eye on it. But as far as I know, um, we're going to say with this, you know, moving forward on the timeline, the guidelines, those are the challenging ones led and walking around the room and, you know, how many could fit in this room from a distancing standpoint. It's all about getting back onto the field. I think once on the field, all the players and coaches would feel comfortable. It's meetings and locker rooms and how do you get into those spaces. So um, right now a team meeting would basically have to be outside, you know, based on the guidelines. Now, we could fit 30 or 40, you know, into a room, but not where we could get 100, you know, that we'd need in, in training camp setting. Thanks, Coach. There's Falcons Coach Dan Quinn discussing some of the issues with the offseason program and the protocols that are in place right now. Of course, he's expecting those to change by the time they come to camp by the end of July as the leagues learn more about the uh, COVID-19 virus, the coronavirus pandemic, and how to self-distance and uh, put things in place and so forth. So uh, they were actually hoping to learn a lot from baseball uh, and the um, NBA, but the NBA is not going to be going till July. And then uh, baseball looks like they're trying to blow their whole season up. Uh, the MB- WNBA is going to go, so that's but that's only 10 players. So we're talking about getting 90 players together and clean and clear to go and so forth. He talked a lot about contingency plans. What happens if he's sick and what happens if Dirk's sick? Who's the backup substitute teacher? You got to leave a plan for him. Can they do that? Um, you know, they all got to be ready to go given – uh, the situation we're in medically uh, to, you know, could you call a game if uh, Dirk uh, gets the um, a virus? Could the, who would be the assistant? Who would do that? Who would take over for Ben, a special team? So the coaches got to get cross-trained too. So they got a lot of stuff going on. Uh, I don't think they're going to learn as much as they would like. I, um, you know, I'm just going along like it's going to start on time, but we'll, you know, be on alert here over the break. Um you know, the coaches uh, will leave on Friday. The rookies will be done on Thursday. And like you said, the vets are gone already. They uh, they uh, had their last day on Thursday. And uh, also we talked about, and this will be in the Cover 99 blog uh, that will come out, you know, an hour after the podcast. Uh, but their concern is, you know, hey, they didn't see the players. They gave them stuff to work out on. They couldn't really – uh, you know, control that part. But when they come back, you know, what will the soft tissue injuries be, you know, uh, at a high rate or a higher rate than normal? Because, you know, normally they have a nine-week off-season program where they ramp up their weight lifting. They know how much run they're doing. They know how much uh, uh, explosive stuff they're doing. But, you know, the guys working out on their own, it's probably not the same and so forth. So, uh, you know, they're going to have to ease them back into things because, you know, those soft tissue injuries happen when you start strain. You get the strains and the sprains and, uh, you know, full out pops uh, and so forth. And then just knees just giving way and so forth. So, uh, you know, they're going to have to uh, be real um, kind of gentle on the ramp up on the return because they don't know for sure what the guys have been doing. 
Uh, I'm sure they had workout programs for them and tried to simulate it as best they could. Uh, but, you know, that's going to be one concern that Coach Quinn talked about, the soft tissue injuries, soft tissue injuries when they return. Uh, right now, the Falcons are set to t- return on July the 28th, but um, they're hoping they can get a waiver or a new ruling from the league office to get the rookies in earlier. You know, they like to give them a little week to get ahead of time uh, to get them adjusted to the pro workouts and schedules and so forth. So, uh, but as it stands, they, they don't have that right now. So they'll have to go uh, with um, the July 28th date. So uh, that's, you know, top three items. Dan Quinn on the uh, wrapping up the offseason program, uh, the, the exits of the coaches, rookies, and then some of the concerns. Those are our first three issues here today on the Bowtie Chronicles podcast. Four, Chris Selfo, former tight ends coach. We did the Where Are They Now? Uh, S-C-E-L-F-O, if you want to go Google that. Uh, he was a tight ends coach for Coach Smith's tenure here, 08 to 14. Coach Tony Gonzalez, a funny guy, he... Um, Joked about his job with me all the time. About his job was to get Tony Gonzalez to the bus, but yeah, good, um, uh, good guy, old time offensive line coach. Uh, had uh, took some time off to follow his son around the country while he was playing at uh, South Alabama and then NC State, and then uh, uh, got back in the coaching ranks there in college and pro football in AFF XFL uh, with Pep Hamilton and and. Uh, the D.C. Defenders, and then also at uh, Charlotte, O-U-N-C Charlotte, uh, the 49ers up there. Uh, but looking forward to wants to get back in the game. He's in his 50s, so, you know, a lot of these coaches go to their 70s and so forth. Uh, so uh, Coach Selfo will be looking to get back in the league. But, yeah, go ahead and Google that story. And then also another where are they now? We know where Bobby Turner is, but uh, we found out that uh, the former Falcons running back coach was a uh, finalist for the Paul Zimmerman Award with the Pro Football Writers of America. Uh, We've um, started that award in honor of uh, Dr. Z, the former longtime sports writer for Sports Illustrated, who uh, uh, advocated um, shining the light on assistant coaches more. He's a trench guy. He liked to, to talk about the X's and O's of football and one of the things we've been doing here, uh, we started in uh, in my administration. This award started to uh, uh, to honor some assistant coaches around the league, and Coach Bobby Turner is up uh, with the group of other coaches for uh, this award. So, uh, where are they now? We know where Bobby is. The coach Selfo's down in Florida, going back between Fairhope, Alabama, and the beach in Florida in the Panhandle, doing a little bit of fishing. Probably will coach some high schools, he said, this year and uh, look to get back in the NFL next year. So, Coach, uh, move on to Matt Ryan. Uh, you know, we had the, another um, police killing in Atlanta last Friday around 1030 and Rashard Brooks and then had the um, uh, protests on Saturday where, the, you know, the Wendy's restaurant got burned and uh, folks took to the highway too to shut down the highway uh, there, but uh, folks are, you know, uh, 
in rage over police killing. He was uh, the police chief resigned. The uh, officer was fired. Uh, and now folks want change. We even see where the Jimmy Carter Center is uh, asking the country to finally look at police brutality. And Matt Ryan would like for him to do that also. He's uh, raising money on uh, a GoFundMe page. He's up to $1.2 million, wants to get to $2 million. Uh, and he also had a message about the Rashard Brooks, who was killed by the police. Shot in the back, running away, not looking very sprite either while he was running away. Just a needless, uh, uh, you know, the mayor of Atlanta said that, you know, that didn't even need to happen. They had his car and so forth. But uh, Matt Ryan is... Uh, you know, tweeted about it and is uh, getting more active with his social action and social justice. So uh, just wanted to point you into that direction. But, yeah, and then quick six after that, we move on to some lighter stuff here as we're going to get out of here. Uh, so I want these way too early mock drafts, and they got Trevor Lawrence going number one to Jacksonville, uh, the quarterback from Clemson, Justin Fields going fourth to Carolina and they got the Falcons picking 13 again and taking another cornerback Patrick Sertan the second from Alabama so that would mean a couple things the uh, didn't go so good for Oliver this year and the Falcons didn't make the playoffs they're picking 13 they didn't make it so but uh, that's one of them way too early mock drafts that's out there. We got it on one of our sponsor pages. So I just, they got me. I went for the, I went for the bait. I went for the clickbait. It's like, okay, it's way too early for mock drafts. But hey, everybody loves them. Let me go check and see what it, any items. I didn't see any Georgia or Georgia Tech guys going in the first round. But uh, of course, Trevor Lawrence is from Georgia, and so is Justin Fields. So. Um, and then seven, we're going to end up here with uh, five players. It's the third we're working on. We've been kind of gathering over the offseason as the team kind of puts pieces together and, you know, say goodbye to some players, bring in others, uh, go to the draft and so forth. Never got to see them on the field all together. That's going to be big when, when, when Coach Dan sees them all together on the field. Maybe that'll be the same day we get to see them. Uh, on the field and uh, uh, and so forth. But it looks like, to me, the five guys who uh, need to make a big leap is uh, number one is Hayden Hurst for me. Uh, you know, you let uh, Austin Hooper go, you can't pay him. So you knew, you know, you know what salary cap structures are. But you got a former first-round guy who has it um, – you know, for, was injured early. You know, I don't, I don't want to get any excuses for him. We just tell you what his numbers are and who he's trying to replace. And uh, you know, he's got to really step his game up if he's going to replace the production that Hooper had. Now, Matt Ryan says he's athletic uh, and can do it, but in the NFL, until you do it on Sundays, you know, we gotta, you know, you gotta kind of be from the show me state. So he's got the biggest shoes to fill. Of the fellers that are on this list, my second one is Calvin Ridley because I think he uh, he was on pace with some good numbers last year. 
but they think he could uh, improve his route running, which I think is fine. Uh, but, um, you know, he, you know, I've been comparing him to Marvin Harrison and his second year numbers were still pretty, even though he missed the last few games, he was still uh, in the neighborhood. So, I mean, he could blow up, you know, because, you know, it's kind of time for him, you know, to start, you know, blowing up and maybe taking some of the heat off of Julio. So uh, his third year in the league, we're going to know just how good he's going to be. If he's just going to be a third, you know, we, we're going to find out. I, I think the ceiling's pretty high for him. And then these must-have guys, you know, McGarry can't lead the league in giving up sacks. I'm sorry, even though they did know that was going to be a problem and they like his run blocker. So you can block a guy eight yards down the field, but you, you got to be able to you know, set in the pass protect. And he's got to be able to do that. That was number three. Uh, Fourier Ulukan, I think he's going to be fine. Uh, I know one of the best, some of the best uh, interviews over the offseason were with uh, Deion Jones and Isaiah Oliver talking about Ulukan. He's like, oh, yeah, man, he tells you about how he was a safety at Yale and, you know, he was a D-back at heart. And so he is definitely not lost in coverage. Uh, and he comes up and hits you. So uh, I think he, I think he's fine. That, But he's still on my list. And then for uh, Tack McKinley, uh, you know, they want to know where his shoulder's at, you know, where his head is at. I guess he's got off social media. Uh, you know, he, his, he hasn't been as productive as they, as they would like. Otherwise, they would have gave him his fifth-year option. But uh, just for, you know, him, everybody wants him to uh, fulfill his um, uh, potential, you know. And, and I know the shoulder's been bothersome and so forth uh, since he's uh, been drafted, since he's been drafted. And, you know, people uh, kind of fell in love with him for his performance on draft night when he uh, went up there and so forth. So, uh, you know, there's going to be a... Uh, you know, that's a big, big, big jump he needs to make this year. So we got Hayden Hurst, Riley Ridley, Caleb McGarry, Fourier Ulukan, and Tack McKinley. Coach Dan said, yep, those five guys are correct. He gave me the green light on that. But then he said, I got about 15 on my list. So, uh, we can, you know, Isaiah Oliver's probably one of those. And, uh, uh, you know, um, He's, you know, but that's that's what the coach's got to do. He's got to lay stuff out for the guys that keep reaching for to get better. But I mean, he's got to have. He gets these five, you know, the Falcons are are in business. If he gets these five guys to step it up in 2020, after this virtual off season, he's gonna be in business. Now I got a couple notes here down here about the COVID-19, Houston and Dallas having four players. Um, Test positive. Uh, Coach Harbaugh talking about, you know, these distancing rules are uh, ridiculous. So we'll just see how um, how everything comes up here over the rest of the offseason. You got the Social Justice Committee. That's another note of mine. We wrote about that last Sunday. So we're going to wrap it up here. Let's get a little music going from DJ Magic. This is the 199th episode of the Bowtie Chronicles podcast. Everything you need to know about the Atlanta Falcons. Going to take a break for a couple weeks here and 
kind of chill and get ready for what's going to be a crazy July. They try to get back on the field in the National Football League. Take care. This is D. Orlando Letbury. Hit me up on D. Orlando AJC on Twitter, Atlanta Falcons News Now page, or shoot an email to D. Ledbetter at AJC.com. Thank you. The AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC. Hip-hop is a product of black people. It's a product of black song and celebration. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution presents Hip-hop's most pulled elements are pulled from the South. A Southern hip-hop store. We always go back to that moment of the Source Awards. Everybody wants your rhythm, but they don't want your blues. The biggest names in hip-hop. Atlanta is still the mecca for hip-hop. 50 years. No one can deny. One film. The power of the South now. The South got something to say. Streaming now at AJC.com slash hip-hop.